Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and it's official. The first half of 2022 is over. Super weird, but we're here already halfway through this year. For those in the U.S., I hope you had a great and safe 4th of July holiday. And for all of us, I hope you're ready for more softball because we're still going strong this summer. So some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Softball is also on YouTube. So subscribe there too. The video is cool. There's some unique features that you get there. And you get to see the guests the way that I do when we talk, which is always fun. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview, which is part two of my conversation with Danielle O'Toole. By the way, it's also her birthday today, so this episode is extra special. In part one, you heard it, we covered a ton, her AUX experience and the family atmosphere in San Diego, pitching strategy, especially working with catchers like Sachelle Palacios, her relationship with her All-American mom, and teammates like Sachelle that have become sisters, her mental health journey before and after the Olympics, separating her self-worth from her performance, which was huge, her support system, speaking up, and a lot, lot more. In part two, we go even deeper, and it's a little bit edgier too, and we'll cover even more today. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, which are tips to help us keep going and get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And where the game starts, or rather where the conferences start, is what is changing in college athletics. Some realignments happening. We all know this. Huge news that UCLA and USC are going to the Big Ten in the 2024-2025 season. All the internet has been talking about so far recently since this news came out. So just some, some recap of the facts. Let's start there. The Big Ten released their statement. The official date that these two schools will join the Big Ten is August 2nd, 2024. There were four main criteria that the Big Ten evaluated when they received UCLA and USC's application. One, academics and culture. Two, student-athlete welfare, competition, and logistics. Three, commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion in sports. And four, financial sustainability. They voted unanimously, all of the current members of the Big Ten, to allow both UCLA and USC in. Now, that was the Big Ten statement. The Pac-12 has also released a series of statements since this has happened as well. So the first one, they kind of just said, hey, we were surprised and disappointed by UCLA and USC, and they're announcing their departure, but that they're confident they'll continue to grow as the Conference of Champions, kind of a basic statement acknowledging what had happened. Then there was another one where they talked about how they have authorized exploring options to expand the conference. And they said the remaining 10 institutions and the presidents and the chancellors are committed to a shared vision. 
And then uh, a more recent one is that the board of directors met to immediately start negotiations for media rights agreements, which is a huge key in this entire situation. So in addition to that, UCLA's statement, they talked about how their interest essentially in the Big Ten membership was because of the quote, broader national media platform, enhanced NIL opportunities, and quote, better television time slots. They just basically set it up front. It was about TV and exposure. So with all those facts in mind, you know, here are my thoughts. Listen, I'm still processing. I've had a lot of people reach out to me just obviously with my deep Pac-12 ties, wanting to know what I think. Some knee-jerk reactions I can give you, but I am still processing. First of all, it's a big loss. Like there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They're essentially, as of now, there's no LA market in the Pac-12 anymore, you know, in two years when this goes down. For us in the softball world too, that means the most successful and historic college softball program is leaving. That hurts. And the most classic rivalry that we have seen since the beginning of collegiate softball, UCLA and University of Arizona, that's fading, at least on an in-conference level. With that being said, because UCLA is so storied, I will say this, like, let's let's take a moment to acknowledge that head coach Kelly Inouye Perez is being inducted into UCLA Athletics Hall of Fame. So, you know, we had her on the show this year. She's a friend of the show. She won eight titles as both a player and an assistant and as a head coach. And she's the 20th person, 20th from the softball program to be in UCLA Athletics Hall of Fame overall. And that does include all three head coaches in history. So that's Sharon Backus, Sue Inquist, and Kelly I. So just to give even more insight as to what we're talking about when we say this is the most successful and historic college softball program. And then you look at USC for softball in particular, you know, it's a non-factor, although, you know, they don't have a program right now. I hoped it would be a factor with a team one day in the not so distant future, but here we are. And I think it's interesting though, with the other sports, you think about the new USC football head coach, for example, Lincoln Riley left the big 12 from Oklahoma, who was leaving for the SEC, to join the Pac-12, but then will ultimately be in the Big Ten. A little bit nuts. It's kind of just a snapshot of how it is right now in college sports. And I will say, I think I am a bit concerned about some things, the main one being travel logistics for student-athletes. Because when you look at time zones and having to skip across not one, but two, you know, a lot of these Midwest teams, it's like, you're going from Pacific time zone, let's say, if you're UCLA or USC, and you can go into Central or, you know, even potentially East Coast time. And that does affect things like academics in terms of how how much school do you have to miss to make those trips. A physical toll, because that is a much longer travel day than they're used to. And then all of that also weighs on your mental health, because it is tough to be both a student and an athlete, period. It is like you have two full-time jobs. And, you know, in my opinion, I, I think you shouldn't time zone hop more than one time zone away. Like, I think that's more of an ideal situation logistically, but it's looking like that's going to happen. It's going to go beyond that with these new sort of super conferences that are emerging. And I do think, you know, again, my knee-jerk reaction is that, yeah, the super conferences, they do take away from that regional experience. And, you know, I already felt this way, and I've said it before on the show that when Texas A&M went to the SEC, I felt that way because you're separating them from OU and Texas and, and some of the other rivalries that you've had for so long. 
but now OU and Texas are following too. And it's not to say that teams won't play each other again. Like it's not like Oklahoma State will never play Oklahoma again, but it's just not the same in-conference feel. Like will Bedlam really be the same? And you can apply that concept to any of these conferences that are shifting. And then, of course, if there are going to be super conferences, then, yeah, the Power Five's in question. You know, I mean, there's so much speculation over more teams going to the Big Ten or the Arizona schools going to the Big 12 or maybe the Pac-12 and the Big 12 should merge. And also one of my favorite tweets that I've seen, I saw this more than once, actually, but they're like, hey, why don't they merge and just have an East and West division called Biggie and Pac? Loved it. Hilarious. But in general, it's like I said, I'm still processing and we're going to keep following all of it. I do think that the Pac-12 needs to respond in a strong way. So I think that could be adding teams to the conference. You know, on broadcasts, I talk about how teams need to respond when they give up a big inning. I think it's the same thing now. And then ideally, if you do add someone in SoCal too, to have something in that market, but really the media rights thing is going to be huge especially when you look at the reasons that UCLA cited, for example, in their statement for going to the Big Ten, like the exposure just needs to expand. And, and they've known it. Pac-12 has been working on it. It's just going to be, I think, accelerated now with this kind of wake-up call that they're seeing with UCLA and USC. And, you know, let's be honest, we have felt changes happening in college athletics, like with the transfer portal with the coaching carousel being crazier really than ever before, and then other conference changes that have already happened or are already in the works. We know at this point it's not going to be the same again. It's just not. And I think back to a time when, you know, at one point team rosters at any given university used to be a lot more local. Like the the kids they were getting on their teams were, were a little bit more localized or regionalized. And then players just started moving across the country to go to college and to compete And that changed things. And now we have even more changes coming. I think the most important thing for us to remember throughout it all is that it is important to protect and support the student athletes. If schools are looking to make more money, fine, but pour some of the investment into that. Because one of the biggest lessons we have learned recently and are still learning is just how important that is. So we will continue to cover this as time passes. And I'm sure things will just continue to be crazier and crazier at this rate. And also just a reminder too, that for college softball, actually there's movement happening already. And so as of July 1st, there were some official moves that went into effect for some known conference realignments that we knew were happening. 22 college softball programs are actually joining new leagues along with their entire athletic departments. Five are actually moving from D2 up to D1, which is pretty exciting The Colonial Athletic Association leads all conferences because they're gaining three new programs. So they actually lost James Madison, JMU, which in the softball world, it's kind of a big deal, but they gained four new programs in addition to that. So just some specific call outs from that list, James Madison, Marshall, and Southern Miss are all going to the Sun Belt. And of course we think of, right, like Odyssey Alexander with James Madison. And then with Marshall, you think of people like Zirkle in pro, right? And There have been some great, talented players that have come out of these types of institutions, so we should pay attention to this at the collegiate level. Belmont, Illinois, Chicago, Murray State, who actually was in the Tuscaloosa Regional with Alabama, Stanford, and Chattanooga, they're all going to Missouri Valley. Southern Utah, UT Arlington are going to the WAC, and then Mount St. Mary's is going to the MAAC. So just 
reminders that these things were already happening and we can expect all of this for next season. But speaking of some of these pro players, you know, I mentioned Odyssey, I mentioned Zirkle, the AUX recap. When I say recap, we have talked about the play and the quality that we saw in terms of the product on the field, but now some of the numbers have come out since this season and the inaugural AUX season happened. So just to hit you with those first, on the broadcast side, an increase of 74% viewership compared to season two, which was last summer slash early fall. For the website, an increase of 783% traffic to AUProSports.com, the main website, versus the same period back in 2021. On the social media side, 148% increase in followers, 268% increase in engagements, and 150% increase in video views versus the same period in 2021. So one caveat for both web and social stuff, it's really not apples to apples. Since this was the first year of AUX in 2022, there weren't any games happening at that point in the year last year in 2021. But it still is always good to see growth. On the broadcast side, however, I mean, this is comparing one season during another season. So that's that actually, I think, has some merit for us to take a look at. And some key differences, though, was the timing was the biggest thing. It was right after the Women's College World Series. People's appetites were ready and just wanted more softball. They enjoyed it so much they wanted to keep going. So that was a huge factor. I think the fact that the season's length was a little bit different, too, is more condensed into two weeks. Maybe that creates a little bit more urgency. Maybe it's also like a little less pressure on the fan to have to commit to a whole new season after just watching a long college one kind of the perfect amount for a post-college hangover and to be able to treat that for us fans. And then in addition to this, this is kind of tied in with the timing, but the network itself. So it moved to ESPN this year, previously with CBS Sports and Fox Sports last year, which I think, by the way, is great. The more we can get softball coverage across all the major networks, the better. But I think because it was the same network that fans were just watching for the Women's College World Series, so it's like the same channels on the TV, same format, same talent that are even calling the games. It was just really familiar and didn't really require any adjustments to be made by fans. So it made it easier. And I think there are just learnings here for us when it comes to pro softball and exposure. In addition to that, we've talked about how there's a lot of international softball happening this summer too. Exhibition games in Oxford, Alabama have been happening heading into the World Games in Birmingham July 9th through 13th. Pretty cool. The exhibition games are on Peacock, which, you know, just for reference in terms of what else is streamed and played on that network. MLB Sunday leadoff, Sunday Night Football, USFL, Premier League. Like, there are a lot of different things that are already on that network. And it was cool also to see Michelle Smith on the call, too, something we're also familiar with when it comes to actually not only collegiately, but even the Olympics last year, right? So that's awesome. Fourth of July was a good day for Team USA. So overall, five home runs and 19 hits led to back-to-back wins against Australia and Japan. The gold medal rematch on the 4th of July, and Team USA comes out on top. I mean, that is something to hold on to. I think that's one of those fun parts of this game is when things come full circle like that. And then day two, they they played them again. They won again against Australia. And it was actually a combined no-hitter between Monica Abbott, Megan Framo, and Allie Carta, which just thinking about those three, first of all, all three of them had to do really well 
at the same time, right? Like for three different people, I think it's impressive when one pitcher is able to pull off a no hitter, but for three different people to maintain that excellence, even when changes are being made, that's impressive, especially considering the three different generations of softball that each of them came from. Faremo, still in college, you know, Ali Carter's from UCLA too, but I mean, she was class of 2015. And then Abbott, obviously, one of the goats has been playing for decades, it feels like. So I just think it's really cool what that representation is. And then USSA Pride is also playing all these teams as well to help them prep. And when it comes to the World Games, the coaches are what we've seen. Heather Tarr leading the way. Sydney Ball Malone is an assistant. Tony Baldwin, the head coach of Georgia, is an assistant. Tim Walton from Florida as well. And then some other coaches that you'll see for different parts of the summer um, who are helping out too are Jimmy Kalaitis from ASU and Mike Sturwald from um, Gaston College. So all six teams from the Tokyo Olympics as well, USA, Japan, Canada, Australia, Mexico, Italy, all of them, plus Puerto Rico and the Chinese Taipei team are all going to be at the World Games. So you can get more information as well on usasoftball.com, but I think it should be some really, really good softball to look forward to. And again, someone who has played at these levels is today's guest. She's back. So let's head into the interview. That was so clear, by the way, with just Team Mexico in general. Like every single one of you that I've talked to, it's the same thing. It's like, we're the witches. Like it's us over everything, you know? And like you said, it, it seems like that's what got you guys through such a challenging time also. And it was just really fun to witness your guys' that's, dynamic. That's for sure what got us through everything is just being with each other. Like my very first out of the country trip with them was Peru and I was rooming with Dallas and Sash, Sanch, Anissa, Tori, um, just kind of, and serve, just kind of like all of us being in one room together was first off scary that we're on the same room together. But it definitely showed me that that it's different. The vibe's different. Like we're family and that's just, that's honestly, again, that's like Mexican culture. That's like you're bought in baby and you're bought in all the way. And uh, we're so bought in that I will be getting a um, witch hat tattoo within the next couple months, probably. Um, I'm like, I've been Googling like little ones cause like we're all gonna get one um, at Sachelle maybe. Um, but I would like to get one. I know Tori was talking about getting one, but I definitely, I think that, um, all my tattoos are like kind of milestones in my life and like something that's, that happened to me or that is important to me. They're not like random to me. So that would be a really cool tattoo. Just a little witch hat with like some glitter on the top. I love that so much. That is amazing. I hope no pressure to Sasha, but also somewhat kind of a little bit of pressure because I think that would be awesome. I don't know what she's going to do, but, um, she, I don't even, she has, she doesn't have any tattoos. So this, she doesn't necessarily want this to be her first one, but, um, you know, maybe she'll get it. Maybe she won't. Oh, so she doesn't even have the Olympic rings. Maybe do that first as a warm up, And then, yes, I think she would like to get those first. I mean, I can't speak for her, but I think she has, or at least she might be talking to somebody about it, but. I don't really know, but hopefully, um, I think all of the rest of us have the rings. Yeah. I remember seeing yours cause yours has like flowers in there too, right? Like do, yeah. So mine's on my back and it has a little cherry blossoms on the bottom. 
Tori got hers on her, the back of her arm, and hers is uh, really beautifully done. Hers also has uh, cherry blossoms. Um, Anissa got hers on the wrist here. Um, I'm trying to think. Those are the ones that I can't remember. Like, Steli has one, um, like, right here. Uh, Vic has one on her arm. Like, every, like, there's so many Olympians out in AU that we just, like, we're all just, like, like sporting every tattoo possible. Totally. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it's so cool. You guys have such representation from all the international teams in AU. It is so, so cool, including, yeah. like, Erica, because it's, like, Italy, Mexico, Canada, U.S., you know, it's awesome. Yeah, there's, I mean, even people who didn't go to the Olympics, like uh, Great Britain, Netherlands, you know, there's like, there's so many people who are just, they're out there doing it. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about your tattoos because I knew you had the rings. Mm-hmm. I also know that you got a jackass movie tattoo. I did. I did get a jackass tattoo. Which is awesome. And now you're saying you're going to get a witch's tattoo. So, yes. okay, we're going to revisit the jackass thing, by the way, because it's awesome. But are you going to get like an AUX or an AU related tattoo now that you're champion or just because you want to? Um, maybe. I haven't put a lot of thought into it. I would, if I were to do anything, I would add like a, um, like a, maybe like a little crown, like a very cute little crown somewhere small. Um, I don't know. I, I just, again, it, it it's amazing, uh, you know, being champion of uh, the first AUX is awesome. But like, again, like I did not go in there trying to do that or planning to do that. So the fact that I even did it and I did it be- and it was up to the last minute too. Like it very, easily, it very easily could have been Deja. Like, like we were all so very, very close. So I just, I just sitting there watching that game, like, Man, this is this is a, of course the way that it would end. This is of course the way that our season would end would would be Courtney Gano hitting a absolute tater. She's seen the ball really well. She is, and I love seeing people like her too. Where it's like she's a mom. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, you know, and she's like coming back to play. And even if she wasn't a mom, I'm saying what she's doing is awesome. But it's just another layer of like, it's another just, layer of hard. Exactly. It's another, it's extra hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like Greggy's in the locker room and, um, you know, she's trying, we're trying to, you know, get dressed and stuff like that. And, and he's, he's, he's being a baby. He's being a little fussy and, and a couple of us would, would either grab him or I walked him over to the pool or, um, she had a lot, she had a lot of help and, or somebody would grab him and pick him up, you know, just like, just doing what she's doing is incredible because like, I, I can't imagine having that much responsibility added on to being a professional athlete because she loves him and takes care of him. I can't even I can't even explain to you how well she takes care of that that kid. He is he is a really cute, cute, cute baby. Oh yeah, being adorable helps. That's true. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's so cute. <laughs> but that's so cool. That's so cool. And I think it's cool because I feel like each of you have some version of that. Not to say that like you compare moms to certain other things, but just meaning there's something going on in your lives that you're also dealing with, managing, like have responsibility for. And then you're doing this too. And I think that's just really impressive. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. 
I also, what I think is cool about your tattoos is because sure, some of them, like it, on the surface level, let's say, it's like, oh, these are some results that you've achieved. Like if you look mm-hmm. at it total surface level, you're like, okay, yep, went to the Olympics. I'm on Team Mexico, like for the new tattoo you're going to get, you know, Jackass movie, all those things. But I think what's cool is like you said, there's meaning behind it because it's not just about the result. It's actually, that's, I don't even know if that's what you care about. Like you've said, it's more so like what you did to get there that it's a reminder for that I think is cool. Yeah, it is. Everything that I have is, is like a reminder of like what happened and like how, how I, yeah, a lot of it is like when I look at the rings, I don't see like that. I went to the Olympics. I see that like I fought and clawed my way to get there. I did everything that I could to get there. So when people now, when people tell me like, oh, like the Olympics is like how amazing that is. Like, I actually think, yeah, like it is pretty cool that I went there. But last year you you asked me that same thing and I was lying to you yeah. because I was going through a lot and I did not know how to process it. But now that I'm healthy and like I can answer that honestly and I can say like, yep, it is really awesome that I did that. Yeah. It's almost like an example, too, of you getting healthy. Maybe like this AUX one, mm-hmm. if you do end up getting exactly. one, not no yeah. sure, but, <laughs> I mean, but it's like, yeah. Yeah. Like everything, every tattoo I have, I have, I think, eight now, maybe. I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know. I have a few that are hidden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's super cool. And we have to obviously come back. I said we would. We're coming back to the Jackass movie. Because that is awesome. I just love that there's like softball, like was on that kind of stage, right? Like it's like yeah. we can talk about growing the game, but it's like you can grow in all kinds of ways. And exactly. I think that's really cool. Yep. Super cool. I um had so many people who are like, like, oh my gosh, we're so happy to see you in that. And like that's so cool that you're wearing there. And it's like, yeah, that opportunity was really awesome. So how did it come about? They actually asked um, somebody else, and um, I I think there were maybe a little bit of complications with that. So then she reached out to me, and she was like, hey, um, they're looking for somebody, and I think you would be really great at it. And then I was like, for sure. So then she gave my number to them, and then I, they called me, and they were like, hey, um, we'd love to have you, like, come out. And I was like, uh, for sure. <laughs> like, I'm not saying no to that. So we actually filmed in September of 2020. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. That was a lot longer ago than I thought. Yeah. September of 2020, we filmed. Um, I'm trying to think about uh, what was going on. But yeah, September of 2020. And then they were trying to release the movie. Some t- It was supposed to be released like sometime in the late 2021. I think... Uh, October of 2021 was supposed to be the release date. Okay. And then, and then I'm not, I don't know what happened. We, yeah. I don't know. What, okay. Yeah. So like I supposed to be gone October, 2021. And then I think they pushed it to February. Mm. So that's why okay. it seems so long ago, but it was supposed to come out last year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gosh, you had so much going on all at once. Like, I'm just thinking about, like, you prepping for the Olympics, you're playing AU, you're filming Jackass. Like, I, 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 I had to move. 
I had to move. My husband got into school. So we had to move from our house in August of 2020, of 2020, August, 2020, we moved. So we moved August, 2020. I had to go film September, 2020, and then went through Christmas. Then we ended up moving again in like February or March. And then, uh, Olympics happened. AU, AU happened and then had to move again. We're back in, we're now in 2022, moved again in, uh, what month are we in April? We moved in April. Had see like, I just, the, like the amount of stuff that's been going on the past three years for me has been like mind blowing. It really is. <laughs> and I, moving sucks. So it's I mean, so I don't know how I- I don't know how you did it so many times. It's the worst. It's not because I wanted to. It's it's just uh, unfortunately we had we've had to a couple of times, but we're good now. So yeah, well that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. But when you were filming the movie, mm-hmm. was there anything like how was the set? Anything that surprised you or like that you learned? Unbelievable. I so like I'm so clueless about movies and like filming and all this stuff. Like um, actually, one of my friends did like some of the video. Uh, like special effects for the movie like Morbius I think oh cool yeah so um there's two ends of the spectrum there's her who like knows everything and then there's me who knows nothing so when I showed up to this when I showed up to film um we were still in like COVID protocol so like I had to get tested and like masks up and like everything like that um and I walk up and they go oh this is where we're filming it's pretty much just empty lot it's just grass just look like just an empty, like imagine um, a country club where you play like, a, what's the what's the game where you like uh, hit a ball on the ground? Oh, croquet. Okay, whatever that is. Imagine that's, yeah. where, that's what it looks like, okay? Yeah. Not even 20 minutes later, they finished filming another thing, which now I learned was in 4.5. I don't know if you've seen Jackass 4.5 on Netflix. I haven't, but that's... Okay, you absolutely need to because they did one of the shots. They did the tennis shot with the clowns. Okay. They did that shot right before me. So they all were all walking up in clown suits. And then they, in 20 minutes, had all that grass was full of pop-up tents, TVs, cables, and, like, my own set where, it, like, it looked like where we were filming. All yeah. of that was set up within 20 minutes. Wow. It was incredible. I had never, I was just like, this is amazing. Like all these people are amazing. And then they had a guy who, I don't remember his name and I wish I would, I wish I would have. Um, I don't know if he was a stunt guy or if he was just like a guy helping out, but I guess he played baseball. Oh, so I brought him my husband's catcher's glove and we warmed up together. And then all of a sudden the guy showed up on scene and they were like, okay, let's go. And I was like, Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was so nervous. When they told you like what you were going to have to do, what mm-hmm. was your reaction? I mean, they told me uh, immediately I knew what I was going to have to do, but what happened was I think it took me about 10 tries. Okay. I would have hit him first try if he hadn't moved. Oh. You can hear it in the movie. You can hear them say, like, if you hadn't moved, she would have hit you. Like, yeah, would have hit him. But I kept missing. I didn't miss him at all. I always hit him. Right. 
that I was either like top of the cup, bottom of the cup, <laughs> top of the cup, maybe not, or like inside of the thigh, or he would move and it'd be on the outside of his thigh, like in the next shot and the cups, the cup test shot with a pogo stick. That mm. bruise on his leg is from me. <laughs> I so, feel like this is kind of good training for you for hitting your spots. Just saying. Actually, it was well. It was just harder because you don't ever want to not move. Like that ball had to be straight, not move at all, and just like down That's the true. middle of the plate. So I was That's like, true. "It's actually the opposite of what you want to do." It, is, as a pitcher. it, was, it was hard. And then um, when I did it, I was so like that reaction that I had was completely genuine. Like I was so pumped. Everybody's on the side. They're pumped. The <laughs> Jeff Tremaine, the the director, was like we got it. And like camera guys behind me, we got like a bunch of camera guys over here on the side. And then they showed me what it looked like. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. Cause it's like slow-mo and then it's like, and it was just <laughs> awesome. It was so cool. It's so funny because it, your like fist pump reaction was like, as if you had like a really big strikeout in a game. Like <laughs> it was like, very. don't fun. even do that in a game. I don't do that in a game. I don't do anything. I'm just like, okay, we're good. Next. Like, I don't have that reaction. That was completely, like, I had a lot of fun doing it, but that was like, that emotion is nothing I ever show in a game, ever. (laughs) That's true. You are super poised. I'm very just like, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. I mean, it sounds like, too, it was like a little bit of fun and what was a great, well, we're still in crazy times in a lot of ways, but. Yeah, but. It, was one, it was one day of fun. And then um, I ended up getting uh, a letter in the mail. Obviously, they, they paid me, but I ended up getting a letter in the mail from like the Screen Actors Guild. And then um, and then I got a call saying that they were um, inviting me to the premiere so that when I got awesome. to when I got to go to the premiere, like I saw so many famous people and I was like and I brought my husband. So my husband was like, Wow, this is so cool. Like it was just <laughs> like it was the coolest thing. And I there's like a guy on um David Dobrek. Um okay. which I don't have TikTok, but um, I mean he's care. I don't have TikTok, but he's like pretty I guess he's like pretty famous in terms of like Instagram videos and YouTube and stuff like that. Um, I took a picture with him and I sent it to my siblings and my sister is so, my sister's 22. Let's just put it that way. Gen, Gen Z. Got it. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Like, like, shut up. I hate you and all this stuff. And then Machine Gun Kelly walked by, Jeezy walked by. Like you had like a lot of people there who were really, really just cool. And then my husband met Johnny Knoxville and, and he's an amazing person. So and. I don't know the whole experience. It was it was good. It was good to have. I feel like your wife of the year easily. Uh yeah, I would agree with that for sure. <laughs> like hands down, I don't think there's a competition at that point. Emma Wody, wife of the year. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah. Absolutely. For you should sure. get a tattoo for that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I mean, he just left for work, so. I'll, I'll ask him. I'm gonna call him and tell You're him. Like, I'll remind him. I'll remind him later that I'm the best. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That is so cool, though. I'm just like I said. I think it's really awesome. Like it was different. 
too, you know, like, like what a cool, like different thing to do in your life. Like not, we talk about how like, oh, only a certain amount of people get to play pro or only a certain amount of people get to go to the Olympics. But it's like, who, like, what softball player gets to say that they were in jackass and like did this, you know, it's like, actually, um, the last softball players in a movie were, um, the 2008 Olympic team. Oh, is that the Reese Witherspoon? How do you know? Yes. Totally remember that. Well, yeah. actually, Fried came on the show and I asked her about it. But yeah. but so I think you now all of you because you have your SAG cards, can you like vote for for those awards? I don't know. I haven't tried. <laughs> I think that, I mean I might be wrong, but I think that might be how it works. Like you have your SAG cards, so like you can vote for the Screen Act- Screen Actors Guild Awards. That's cool. I yeah, I don't know how any of that works. I just was like, wow, look at this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so glad you got to do the premiere and like the whole experience too, because like that's oh, yeah. very, very LA and that's awesome. That was super LA. Like how did the, at the uh, Chinese theater. Oh, so, that's cool. It was right there. They had the red carpet and everything. I had people like, Danielle, look over here. Danielle, look over here. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> it was awesome. Well, I know. You're like, I saw famous people. It's like, you're kind of a famous person now, you know? So there you go. I just like, just, it was just insane. So many people. That is so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, on that note, I could talk to you about Jackass for much longer, clearly, but, and I, who knows, maybe you'll be on the big screen again soon. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but I, to wrap up, which not that I want to wrap up by the way, but I know like I'm going to be respectful of your time. So, um, I think we did this, but it it was like very early on of this segment, which is just, it's called Safer Out. Everyone who comes on the show does it. Um, Basically, I'll bring something up. If you like it or if you agree with it, then you call it safe. If you don't, then you call it out. Got it. Yeah. So um, let's see. The first one is today's strike zone, the way umpires call it. Safer Out. Pause. Which strike zone? <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to ask this. Okay. The college strike zone. Ugh. Okay. Uh, out. I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling. Mm-hmm. So, because I, I feel like I've seen tweets of yours where it's like, certain pitches should be strikes that aren't like that's your main gripe right like where it's like that ball is like might be like half a ball off the plate and you're like that needs to be called yeah like you can't you can't expect like river in college river's not getting called i mean sometimes it is but river's not getting called it's like river's a strike like you cannot expect us to put it over the middle of the plate and not get burned like i do not understand like you're basically asking us to get swings and misses like right and if we don't get a swing in so basically a hitter could go up there not swing the bat at all and the chance of that they'd walk is high because my ball moves a lot and you're not calling it right like i That's think good- i'm a pitcher so like a pitcher strike sounds very different than everybody else but like i think if i get the ball inside tight on a right-handed hitter who's kind of on the line and i don't hit you i think that should be a strike mm that used to be, I mean, I haven't pitched in years, but when I pitched, I used to love doing that. 
yeah. or like yeah. as a righty into a lefty, like you're yeah. saying, like a backdoor, right. a backdoor curve, like um, the kid from Northwestern, um, mm. Danielle Williams. Her, yeah, Danielle Williams. Her backdoor curve was getting called a ball, and it's like, why? Because it it moves. Because it doesn't <laughs> land. Because it doesn't pass the middle of the plate for you. Like, come on. Because it does what it's supposed to. Yeah. yeah. No, I, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Do you think that the pro strike zone, like what you guys have in AU, for example, in AUX, is better? Um, I think that it's different. So you have to remember the balls different and the bats are different. So True. college is is you know. But but I said like international bats like uh, pro bats are hot, they are mm-hmm. v hot and the ball is a little bit more dense. So pitchers who throw up have to fight gravity a little bit harder because the ball is a little bit heavier. So like circumstances change for sure. But like I should be a ball on chalk. Like if this is chalk, this is river, this is the plate. If half of my ball is on chalk on this side, like if it's inside towards the river, that should be a strike. Mm. These hitters, okay. these hitters are too good for me to throw it river and not get burned. I yeah. need I, so like I think that that might be a little too big for the college zone, but like for example, Mariah and Kaylin and um, Georgina figured it out. But like a couple of these rookie pitchers came in and they came in throwing in that college zone and they got hit hard. Yeah. And I completely, I felt bad because I completely forgot to tell Mariah after her first outing. And then I told her, and then she's lights out. Yeah. She's very good. She's very talented. So I was like, yo, by the way, the strike zone went from this to this. So you need to throw it four balls out on a two strike count because if you don't, I, one time I threw my, I threw a drop ball outside halfway through the other's batter's box and Savannah Jaquish hit a line drive up at, at me. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Half the time when they like replay these swings, right? You'll look in like in college, lots of times it's like, okay, they piped it, you know, like that was too much white of the plate, blah, blah, blah. Mm-mm. You look at a, or just on the pro level and you're like, that actually wasn't a bad pitch. It wasn't a bad pitch. They just nope. hit it. Yeah, yeah. Like Sam Fisher hit, I forget who it was, but um, she was in a two strike count and the ball was, damn near halfway into the other batter's box. And it was an RBI single in the Bermuda triangle. Yeah. It's like, it's like we're getting burned on pitches that are like, I looked at Sashel and she goes, that was a good pitch. And I was like, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Like, cool. Cause then you're like, okay, what do I do now? I guess you just just keep keep going. going. You just keep going. Well, I think that's all fair. I don't know if I fully realize that either about like the balls and, and well the bats sure but like the ball being different I think that's a good yeah because we, we talk about the transition from college to, to pro and international and, and these sort of mm-hmm. things like it's important to know that stuff so good for you for passing on the intel yeah some people don't even pay attention to it or it doesn't bother some people but I'm a dropout pitcher so I you have to know how to adjust because that ball is different 100 mm-hmm. percent okay okay so first one's out Second one is NIL. So basically student athletes getting paid. Safe or out? Safe. Safe. I think it's it's going to cause – I think there's a pro and con to everything. But I think it's going to cause some – there's going to be a little bit of ruckus within the next couple of years. Um, 
and I don't even really want to get into it other than I can't imagine if there was an NIL deal while I was in college, one, I would have made bank and two, <laughs> and that would have absolutely sponsored me. <laughs> awesome. Wait, mm-hmm. first of all, that would have been your priority. First you know, like, sponsorship. In and out as a college student. Yeah. Yes. Well, the reason I'm asking is because like how many in and outs are in Arizona? Uh, there's one in closer to the Phoenix region, I think. I don't think there were, but I just, right. I just really. You're also like a California girl, so it makes sense. Yeah. No, my grad cap said Tuli's in and out of here with a big in and out sign. Epic. Yeah, I was. That's a amazing. Member. I'm a huge in and out person, so. But no, really. So I wish- it's NIL's smart. I think it's um, basically you can people can argue both both ways. You, you're going to college on scholarship. It's like yeah, but we're putting our bodies at at risk for a college education. Like, well, and there's a lot of stuff that people don't realize. You can have a full scholarship that's not covered. They're not like paying for you to go home for the holidays. Exactly. You know, or like it's like or or, like, or your rent. It's like you know you could be getting a paid full ride and your stipend, your stipend's smaller, or maybe it's a little bigger, or I don't know. The circumstances are different at every single program. Even some programs don't even have 12 full scholarships to give. True. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of it that's up for grabs. And I think that NIL definitely, um, again, there's pros and cons, but I definitely would say safe there. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Last one is bat flips. Safer out. out. Absolutely out. I, f- I assume that when I ask a pitcher, but I've been surprised where some people have been a little bit more open-minded. But at the same time, like, would you be like, okay, expect one in the ribs the next time you're up? Um, <laughs> um, it's not, I wouldn't even call it that I'm not open-minded about it because I've definitely, I've definitely had arguments with plenty of people including my own husband who um, you know, cause in baseball they bat flip and it's like super cool or whatever. And it's just like, you know, it, it's not been a part of our game. I think it's flashy. Um, I think that, I don't know. I, people are like, I'll act like you've been there or they're celebrating their own stuff. It's like, there's one or two ways. I don't see it like either of those things. I see it more. of just like, it's just not, I, I don't know. I, I was actually watching film um, and there's, there's one, one of the teams where uh, it was in college. Um, they're, they're in college and, and to bat flips and you see the ball go and you don't even see her in the, in the camera angle anymore, but there's her bat. Her bat, <laughs> her bat goes up and out of the camera angle. You don't even see her anymore. And I'm like, why? Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's a, it's a, hot topic for me for sure, but I'm definitely saying out. I think that's fair. Also never, I think when coach Kendra came on the show, he obviously said out, I don't get the vibe from Caitlin Lowe either Mm-mm. that like, that's their style. No, she's definitely more of a like play the game the right way. The game, the way that the game deserves to be played. And I could, I cannot speak for her. So I right. would just say like, I was raised to like respect the game and I don't think that's doing it. Yeah. Other people could say like, well, I am respecting the game. Like I'm celebrating the game. It's like there, are, every, there's an argument for everything. Uh, 
You said it. <laughs> that is the truth. Oh yeah. my gosh. But it seemed like you guys were, and now I'm veering off a little bit, but like that the, you guys were super excited about Caitlin too, like all the alums just, and what she did with the team this past year. Like, what are your thoughts on her and her staff actually? Um, I love Kate. I think that, um, I didn't spend a lot of time with her when I was at Arizona because she was with the outfielders and anytime we would do a collective defense, obviously we were there, but sorry. I think that um, she knows what the program's supposed to look like. So I think that she's going to do everything she can to make it feel that way. Our pro- Arizona softball is known for tradition, excellence, family. And I think that you can't go wrong with somebody who's been in the program for that long. So I, I am excited to kind of see what she's going to do. Um, and I think Lap's a great hire as well. I had Lappin as a um, as a professional coach. She was a coach with the Bandits at one point. And yep. I think she is the ultimate hype man. Um, 100%. I really do like her, and I think she'll do anything um, for her athletes. So I would love to see how this program looks within the next four years. Oh, yeah. I think truly, I don't know if anyone gets as hype as Lap does a coaching third base. Have not seen it. <laughs> I know, man, but she's she's definitely she's definitely cool. And uh, I have not had the opportunity to be coached by Coach T, Taryn. Um, so I, I don't really have any anything for you there. But um, I personally, I have been with Kate and Lap and it's, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited. They were like one of the staffs I was most looking forward to seeing this past season. And I'm thrilled like with what they were able to do and all the doubt and stuff, what they overcame. So yeah. I can't wait for 2023 and yeah. all, what you guys as alums will get to kind of exactly. see and support. Exactly. And I know that I didn't say much about Taryn, but um, to be able to do what she's doing with a newborn baby is pretty cool as well. Totally. Yeah. And it was, it's so cool. I mean, you you know, she's an Arizona pitcher. You're an Arizona pitcher. Mm-hmm. Like there's definitely, I would imagine like a kinship there in some ways. I think, um, every, I think everybody who played for that program feels attached to each other in some way or another. So for sure. One of the greatest programs ever. So it makes ever. sense ever. That's very cool. cool. Yeah. It's true. like, it's a fact. I wasn't exaggerating, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's true, but thank you so much. For joining. Yeah. I know like what a, we just talked about what a whirlwind couple of years you've had. So mm-hmm. thank you for taking the time to come back on the show. It was so fun to have you like pre a lot of these things we talked about was the last time you were mm-hmm. on the show and now so much has changed, but I'm, I'm really happy for you and I'm excited to see what you do from here. Cool. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad you could hear the rest of the conversation with Tuli and again, wishing her a big happy birthday. She's another year wiser, another year more fun. And I'm just glad she got to share some of that with us. So with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about liking what you like. And this is inspired by Tuli a little bit as we talked about her doing things like the Jackass movie and her tattoos. And it just got me thinking how, yeah, I mean, those things might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I appreciate that she just likes what she likes and she isn't afraid to show it. Because I just, you know, think back to the middle school and the high school days. And you might have been playing travel ball, maybe on your high school team too. But just being at that age where you're growing up and you're kind of in between childhood and adulthood. And you're trying to figure out who you are. It's a time in life where other people try to tell you or dictate what's cool and what's not. 
backpacks were out, for example, when I was in high school and shoulder bags were in, they told you certain clothing brands, like I'm going to date myself, but Abercrombie and Fitch, Hollister, that stuff was in, or what kind of music to like, like that all kind of starts in high school, maybe middle school, but it really doesn't end there. Now as an adult, people are, are still doing that kind of stuff with us. You know, a lot of people are shocked that like, I've never been to Coachella before because that's what the cool thing is to do. And I think fashion stuff, that's always still based on trends. Just like when we were 13, the trends might be different, but the trends are still trying to tell you what to think and what to like. And I think there are just always going to be people who are trying to do that. But part of being yourself is just not buying into all that and just liking whatever it is that you like. You know, I don't have anything against Coachella. I'm sure it would be cool. But honestly, like if I had the choice, I'd rather book flights to go to my extended family's annual beach trip just with all my cousins and aunts and uncles, that's just what I'd like to do. And what you like might not be everyone's choice or their cup of tea, but you can be your own cup of tea. And it applies the other way around too. If you like something that maybe it's like kind of mainstream and people call you basic, so what? Like if you like it, you like it. And I think the easiest example of this are the pumpkin spice lattes. All right, it's not my thing. Like, I don't drink coffee, but even if I did, I would take chocolate over pumpkin any day. But if you like a nice hot PSL in the fall, get a pumpkin spice latte. Who cares? Just get what you want. People are going to judge you either way, whether you fit in or whether you stand out. So just stay true to you. Because really, honestly, you'll be happier because it's authentic and it just takes away all the pressure when it's authentic. And that is a much better place to live. So that's it. Like what you like. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com. And you can watch the videos on YouTube too. Subscribe, rate, and if you liked it, write a review for the show. I appreciate your support. Always want to know what you think, what you want to hear about. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.